Hi, I'm Danielle Glesney, a dietitian nutritionist, and I am here today um, on the Amagra Nutrition Podcast. We are here to answer your questions and give practical nutrition strategies to help you and your family flourish. So what we're going to talk about today is um, just a topic. Normally we answer questions, but we don't have a question today, just a topic. So um, if you have a family history of diabetes or you know someone who struggles with diabetes and wonder if you are at risk or if there are ways to reduce your risk of developing diabetes or prediabetes, um, this is the podcast for you. And if you already have diabetes, this is still a great podcast for you. Um, we're going to give you um, some information on a tool on our website but also talk about, you know, how blood sugar um, impacts, you know, movement and what you eat. So it's going to be really um, helpful for uh, people with diabetes or if you're trying to reduce your risk of developing diabetes. So um, today we're going to talk about, <clears throat> just to give you a little brief outline, um, what it means to have high blood sugar what are the risk factors of developing prediabetes? What is the difference between prediabetes and diabetes? And how can you reduce your risk? Um, so those are kind of the top things that we're going to discuss. Um, but again, like I said, if you have diabetes or know someone that does, this is still a great episode because we're going to talk about how, how, how blood sugar is impacted by food and movement and other things. So I just want to say up front, if you do know someone with diabetes or you have diabetes, please visit our website. Um, if you select at the top, there's um, individuals. At, if you click on individuals and then scroll down to diabetes care, we have a pre-recorded video course. Um, so it's a three-part video course, go at your own pace. And um, this video course talks about, um, you know, how to eat with diabetes, whether you've just recently been diagnosed or have had diabetes for 25 plus years. Um, it goes through um, weight loss with diabetes and lifestyle habits such as um, exercise or drinking alcohol, checking or monitoring your blood sugars. So it's really like an all you need to know um, pre-recorded video course. Um, so again, it's at our at our website available right now. Um, just select individuals at the top of the website and then scroll down to um, select diabetes care. So to start off, let's talk about what's going on in your body. Okay. So normally this is, if you don't have diabetes, what's supposed to happen, your body breaks down most of the food we eat into sugar, um, called glucose, and that is released into your bloodstream. And then that glucose, um, or blood sugar goes to all parts of your body. Um, so you can use the energy after it's gone, after it gets into the cells. So when your blood sugar goes up, it signals to your pancreas to release insulin and insulin is a hormone that acts like a key to allow the sugar in your blood to get into your cells for energy. Um, so that's how it should work. Um, with type two diabetes, your body is not either making enough insulin. So there's more sugar staying in the blood because less of those doors are being unlocked 
or you can't use the insulin you are producing as well. And that's called insulin resistance. So when there's either not enough insulin or the cell is not, the cells are not responding well enough to the insulin you are producing, that's when you get too much sugar in the blood. And over time that can cause some serious health problems, such as heart disease, vision loss, kidney disease, and so on. So um, watching your blood sugar um, is in preventing diabetes is really powerful way to um, prevent other complications um, and other health concerns. So what is the difference between prediabetes and diabetes? So prediabetes means your blood sugar level is higher than normal, but not high enough to be diagnosed as diabetes. So it's really just that stepping stone right before the diagnosis of diabetes. And um, diabetes can be diagnosed um, in the doctor's office through a lab lab values. Um, so what they call, what they call A1C is an average of your blood sugar over three months. Okay, so. Um, this is a one-time um, blood draw that you don't have to fast for because it's an average of your blood sugar over a three-month period of time. And it's measuring the accumulation of sugar on your red blood cells. So normal levels are below 5.7. So that means you don't have prediabetes and you don't have diabetes when the A1C is 5.7 or less. And then, I'm sorry, if it's less than 5.7, if it's 5.7 to 6.4, that is considered prediabetes. So 5.7 to 6.4 for your A1C is considered uh, prediabetes. And for the diagnosis of diabetes, according to the American, Heart, uh, American Diabetes Association, is 6.5 and higher. So that's any time that you have that diagnosis um, or that A1C value of 6.5, um, you have a diagnosis of diabetes. Now you can lower that, you know, you can go from diabetes to prediabetes, you can go from prediabetes to normal levels. Um, it's just um, based on a couple different factors, which you'll kind of um, get a hint at towards when we talk more. Um, but you can change those values with or without medication, it depends on the person, um, and that doesn't mean you are no longer with diabetes. It just means you really need to keep watching it, um, you know, based going to your doctor yearly, every six months, every three months, ideally to monitor your A1C um, is really important. So, you know, if you're getting higher than the 6.5, higher than 7%, it's really in the 10%, um, 9%, um, 13%, those higher levels is when you get all those complications. Um, so keeping it <clears throat> at 6.5 or less is really fantastic. Um, and if you have diabetes, keeping at 6.5 to 7% is great. It's really great. So that um, goal for your A1C depends on your overall health status. And that would be a good question for your doctor, what their goal for you is for your A1C. Okay. So let's circle back to what are some risk factors for prediabetes? So some risk factors for prediabetes are anyone over the age of 45. If you are overweight, if you have a parent or sibling with diabetes, if you've had gestational diabetes during pregnancy, and if you are not physically active at least 
three times a week. So those are the risk factors for prediabetes. And now we'll dive into how can we reduce your risk of developing diabetes or prediabetes. So the first one is move more. Um, take a walk after dinner, stand up while talking on the phone, walk to your coworker's desk instead of sending an email or walk around on TV commercials. Um, sometimes smartphones can have, or smartwatches can have like a, a little alarm that uh, buzzes for you to get up and move after a certain amount of time. So that can be really helpful. The key here is just to be physically act active with something you enjoy. Um, and then trying to incorporate that physical activity throughout the day, not just like a one-time thing in the morning or a one-time thing in the evening. If you can just be um, spreading that out by parking farther and what have you, that's going to be amazing as well. So what physical activity does is it drives the sugar out of your bloodstream into the cells to be used. And that is why it is especially good, kind of a bonus, if you will, to exercise after you eat. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't have to be anything strenuous. Just a walk after uh, a meal prevents the blood sugar from going to as high as it would had you not taken a walk. Um, so if you are monitoring your blood sugars at home, that is a really fantastic way to keep up with your physical activity goals to see the difference it's making on your blood sugars. Um, after meal. So measuring your blood sugar when you walk and when you don't, so you can see the difference that you're making. So the second tip I have for you today to reduce your risk is um, think about your plate, um, a fourth year plate protein, a fourth year plate carbohydrates, and half your plate of those non-starchy vegetables. Um, so non-starchy vegetables are any vegetables except for potatoes, peas, corn, beans, and squash. So again, starchy vegetables are potatoes, peas, corn, beans, and squash. And so all other vegetables are considered non-starchy vegetables. And those go on the half of your plate. And all those starchy vegetables are really so great for you. They just go on the fourth of the plates because they impact your blood sugar. Um, but again, they are really great um, nutrients in those starchy vegetables as well. Um, so when we balance our plate like that, a fourth, a fourth and a half, um, we are going to, one, feel satisfied throughout the day, um, controlling having a consistent amount of carbohydrates throughout the day. Um, and then, you know, you're going to decrease spikes um, when you have that consistent portion of um, blood sugars throughout the day. So carbohydrates are the only foods that raise your blood sugar. But with that said, we can't eliminate them. So eliminating carbohydrates does not allow for long-term blood sugar control or prevention of diabetes. So I'm going to say that one more time because a lot of people see this on the internet. Um, and that's what I have to kind of reteach people when they first meet with me is that they start eliminating carbohydrates, whether it's because they just got diagnosed with diabetes or they've had diabetes for a long time. And Eliminating carbohydrates does not allow for long-term blood sugar control or prevention of diabetes. So let's just talk about a little bit why. Okay, so the liver's job, um, the liver, is to listen to signals from the body to produce and store sugar to keep the circulating blood sugar levels constant. So all parts of your body need fuel. The brain, red blood cells, parts of the kidney are in constant need of sugar for fuel. 
So this regulatory system does not work optimally. If you have type 2 diabetes, there's often an overproduction of sugar from the liver. So if you do not provide your body with a primary energy source, carbohydrates, the liver produces sugar. And if your intake of carbohydrates is consistent throughout the day, the liver does not need to kick out extra sugar um, because your blood sugar is dropping. So let me give you a little bit of example. So let's say you avoid carbohydrates for breakfast and lunch, but then you incorporate a small amount for dinner. Most people will see their blood sugar really high. And that is because your liver has been giving you extra sugar throughout the day. And your blood sugar after dinner is therefore higher than it would have been um, had you just had a small amount with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, So preventing low blood sugars and spikes is one reason we need carbohydrates throughout the day. And then avoiding a whole food group is of course not optimal for um, supplying your body with all the nutrients it needs. Um, So you can have imbalance when you are eliminating a whole food group like carbohydrates. So too much fat would occur or too much protein. Um, And if you have too much fat, that is highest in calories. So that can result in weight gain. And if you have too much protein, that can hurt your kidneys. Um, so just having that balance, like I said, a fourth year plate, fourth year plate, half your plate, um, when it's protein carbs, and then non-starchy vegetables respectively, that is really going to help with that balance that you need throughout the day. And lastly, carbohydrates are delicious and they provide vitamins, minerals, fiber, and just energy. Your your brain needs energy. Um, so people eliminating carbohydrates really, um, have some brain fog and, They just don't feel very good (laughs) when you don't have energy. Um, So the protein and fiber portions on the plate also, like I said, prevent um, spikes. It actually helps your blood sugar look like a nice rolling hill, which keeps it closer to the normal range. Um, Additionally, selecting high quality carbohydrates can also reduce spikes in your blood sugar. All right. So that was tip number two. Tip number three is just watching your beverages. So water is the way to go. Um, Just drinking that as often as much as you can all day long and replacing the juice, soda, and sugary drinks with water. So the, the problem with liquid calories is they require little digestion, and that means your blood sugar can spike. So liquid calories don't have protein or fiber, which slows your blood sugar, um, you know, from rising. Um, and so except, except for protein shakes and milk, they do have protein there, but calories that are liquid and are not paired with protein and fiber, they really are a great way to spike your blood sugar. So just preventing spikes would just be making sure we have um, calorie free beverages most often. And that is also a great tip for watching your calories, um, and helping with weight management. The next one is just to practice saying no um, when you are served something, you know, that you weren't necessarily planning on or you're not feeling hungry for um, and maybe it just sounds good. So this is particularly um, helpful to think about right now around the holidays. Um, There's always extra treats being brought into the office or extra holiday celebrations, um, parties, what have you. And just remember you're there to... um, you know, connect with people. Um, so prioritizing connection at those gatherings or just thinking about, 
you know, mindful eating habits, am I actually hungry or just does it sound good? So that difference between mind hunger and belly hunger. Um, so if you are actually hungry, obviously we don't want you to starve. We want you to feed your body. And, um, if you just feel like it sounds good, then wait until you're hungry. You'll actually enjoy it more. Um, and so that is, um, <clears throat> that is a great one to think about right now and practice for anybody actually. <laughs> so, the next one is um, size matters. Okay, so just being mindful of your portion sizes, um, no diets, no elimination of carbohydrates or any other food group, just slowly decrease portions to continue to feel satisfied and also by increasing those non-starchy vegetables on our plate. Very, very often are our non-starchy vegetable portions too small. So uh, especially at restaurants, they'll give you almost like a fourth of your plate or less of those non-starchy vegetables. They come in those like cute little dishes of broccoli. And of course it tastes amazing because they put a lot of butter and salt <laughs> at restaurants. Um, but again, that is such a small portion. You need half your plate of non-starchy vegetables for you to feel satisfied. And they are so high in fiber and that's going to help you feel full with the least amount of calories. <clears throat> so again, that is a great tip for everybody just for healthy weight management and um, preventing um, heart disease and high cholesterol, fiber, fiber, fiber. So, um, so that's another great tip for everyone. But the next one is eat breakfast and avoid late night snacking. Um, so we did a whole episode on intermittent fasting. I highly recommend you return to that um, if you haven't listened to it or maybe review it, just because it's really great to, to learn that intermittent fasting is not all bad. Um, it's not necessarily helpful. It's not been proven to be really more successful than on any other methods for weight loss. It's the intermittent fasting research was really helpful to learn about how your body processes carbohydrates and our body processes carbohydrates, no matter who you are, if you have diabetes or no diabetes, or if you have pre-diabetes, no matter who you are, if you don't have diabetes, your, your body still does not process carbohydrates as well in the late afternoon or evening hours. Therefore, no matter who you are, we are not designed to be having late night snacks. Um, it doesn't allow our bodies to um, prepare, prepare for sleep well. Um, it doesn't allow for our cells to rejuvenate. Um, and it basically just insulin resistance occurs late night, um, at the late night hours or early afternoon. I'm sorry, late afternoon. So if you can move your dinner time to five o'clock or five 30 or even six o'clock, and then just stop eating after dinner, that is that is intermittent fasting right there. I still want you to eat breakfast. Intermittent fasting doesn't mean 24 plus hours, 10 hours, uh, 12 hours is great. Um, that is all that's needed. And that is really going to decrease the insulin resistance, allow your body to process carbohydrates really well. Um, if we can make sure we eat breakfast and avoid the late night snacking. So the last tip I have for you today um, is. Uh, is weight loss. So it is most often the first thing recommended for improving blood sugar. So if you are overweight, um, <clears throat> this would be a tip um, to help decrease that insulin resistance as it occurs with excess weight. 
So insulin resistance, again, is when your body is producing insulin, you're just not responding with the same effectiveness, um, which is allowing for more sugar to stay in the blood. Um, so even just losing five to 7% of your body weight can lower your A1C or your average blood sugar. So just a little quick math for you, since I'm horrible at math, um, you may not have a calculator right in front of you here, but if you weigh, let's just say you weigh um, 200 pounds, um, weight loss of 10 to 14 pounds um, would be the five to 7%. Maybe you weigh 225 pounds, then you would lose um, 11 to 16 pounds for that five to 7%. Um, or maybe you weigh 250, okay, etc. Um, 12 and a half to 17 and a half pounds would be um, helpful for lowering your average A1C. So, so, um, those are the tips I have for you today of preventing diabetes or pre-diabetes. And again, if you know someone that has diabetes, um, or you have diabetes, please visit our website, select the individuals at the top of our website, and then scroll to select the diabetes care. And that will give you access to that pre-recorded video course um, as always, we are available as well. You know, you can meet with me um, and I would be happy to walk through wherever you are and taking care of your body with diabetes. Um, so I'm a diabetes care and education specialist. And if you need help with weight loss, we can talk about that as well. And we also have a pre-recorded video course on weight loss. Um, so again, just go to the individuals tab and scroll down to weight loss. Um, so those are the tools we have for you. And oh, as always, we are available. Um, if you'd like to meet with us um, or you have a quick question, please reach out at any time. I hope you have a wonderful day.